Hello everyone and welcome to episode 3 of the Attitude Era podcast. This week we're taking a look back at Over the Edge 1998 from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I'm your host, Kevin Mann, joined alongside this week, as I am always, by Mr. Adam Bivolo. Hello, Hello Adam. There. How's things? Very good. I'm extremely excited for this week's episode. We've got some real good stuff to talk about. Yes. And uh, to my left, Mr. Billy Keeble, a man who loves Luna more than he hates uh, the New Age Outlaws, a man who has got a broken leg at the moment. Yes, I do. How are you feeling, Billy? Um, not bad. It aches a little bit, but what can you do? That's what happens when you uh, break your leg chasing a shoe. Well, no matter... Which is what I did. No matter who you are, whatever you do, please don't try this at home. Bodies have been bruised. That was even a <laughs> Well, how, how exactly did you hurt yourself again? Um, I was in I was in the park right by my house, and um, I managed to. Uh, well, my girlfriend asked if she threw a shoe as far as she could. Would I go and get it? And I said yes. Like a dog would. Yeah, and she threw the shoe. I stood up and go, go get it. Put my foot in a hole. Fell over. Broke my leg. And Jim Ross is like, oh, and they say they learn how to fall. <laughs> how the hell do you learn to fall off a 20-inch indentation in the ground? <laughs> well, we're going to muscle through it anyway. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Editorial Podcast, and it's time for Over the Edge. I can see by the way you look at me, Vince, you can't stand the fact that I like to drink a few beers. You can't stand the fact that I do this every now and then. That I do this, I do this every now and then. That I use colorful language. You can't stand the fact. You can't stand the fact. You must conform. Defiance will not be tolerated. Conform. You must respect authority. Who the hell do you think you are? You will comply. You must conform. Ladies and gentlemen, do the love! Compliance is good. Now I'm proud to say I know exactly who I am. Who the hell do this you... This is my arena! Hell this you, is my who arena! Who the hell do you think you are? Vince McMahon might have stacked the cards against Stone Cold Steve Austin by having a little timekeeper. The esteemed... Gerald Risco. Uh-oh. A bell ringer. Hall of Famer. Patterson. And himself as a special referee. Do you think there's a conspiracy, folks? You must respect authority. Vince McMahon, I know you hate my guts, and I feel the same way about you. Who the hell, the hell, the hell do you think you are? Defiance will be punished. This man just called for the ghost and the Patterson and Risco. Damn them. You must conform. It's off to the good of the world here. You will comply. Welcome to Mr. McMahon's Utopia. This is my arena. Okay, uh, and we're back. There we go. Uh, something a little bit different from last month's incredibly over-the-top... Uh, I'd say that was pretty over-the-top in itself, though. Yeah, it was. Uh, well, it was over-the-top in a different way. What we basically had there was kind of a... Implying that Vince McMahon's current run in WWF was akin to George Orwell's 1984. <laughs> uh, not really. Uh, <laughs> Big Brother never shouted like Vince McMahon does. Big Brother never got arrested by his enemy either. You know, Vince McMahon, he might be powerful and all that, but he's still pretty spineless. Austin seems to own him at times. Yeah. It, it does kind of, I suppose, sum up, you know, the fact that we're solely focused. It's not really about 
the other. It's not really about dude love. It's not really about you know the title. It is about Austin and McMahon. Now. Totally. Which is quite good. I, I like that aspect to it. Yeah, it's a pretty different storyline than just an ordinary title shot kind of thing. Like you exactly. say, the belt's pretty forgettable in this. The title's really much. It's secondary. It's more about yeah. getting the belt off of Austin. But uh, it's kind of cool, I suppose. You know that yeah that Vince McMahon. We were saying last week he was still being kind of you know relatively reserved and whatnot. And as you can tell from that promo package, Vince McMahon and Subtlety have had a have a parting of ways, so to speak. This is the Vince McMahon everyone knows and loves now. Yeah. He's finally, you know, come about. This is the proper evil Vince. Definitely. I mean in the Raws leading up to this pay-per-view, this is where you had like the classic Vince McMahon dancing and gyrating with dude love strippers and, you know, doing the big pep talks to get Mick Foley to beat up Terry Fugg. So yes, Vince is definitely, you know, in, in full full on Vince McMahon mode here, which is awesome. Uh, also, a nice spotting there, we had the Brawl Frog music in the background of this, which you'll see later on when we have that awful shoot tournament. So anyway, we have Over the Edge. It's coming to us from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, uh, in a sold-out arena. It's in AWA hotbed from way back in the day. And we've got Jerry the King Lawler and Jim Ross on commentary, as always. And we get fireworks at the start. At last, well, fireworks. Hey, Pyrotechnics. Good yeah. fireworks. So our first match of the night is Legion of Doom 2000, continuing their downward spiral into obscurity against DOA, the Disciples of the Apocalypse, Skull and Eight Ball, and Chains is also with them. Speaking of obscurity, DOA themselves show. DOA, who would later go on to perform Aces and Eights in TNA. <laughs> um... Yeah, DOA, um, the Harris brothers, they're twins, they're both around seven foot. That is basically the be-all, and the beginning and the end of, of, of them. I think that's probably what it says in the WWE Encyclopedia. They're tall and they're twins. Had to get a job somewhere, I suppose. <laughs> mm. They popped up everywhere, uh, like, like a rash that wouldn't go away. They continually popped up. I think they're gone now at last. But I think they were good friends with Vince Russo, and that might explain why they kept getting prominent right. roles. Yeah. Because you can know that tell. I mean, what do you think? I mean, these guys coming out on motorbikes, they're meant to be cool, but they're, they're lame. Aren't they're they? boring yeah. as hell. There's nothing really much going on with them. There's no personality, no character. They're just wearing like a biker's outfit and yeah, trying they're pretty to be boring. There. They're just like, I remember when I was a kid seeing guys on bikes, I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. But like, beyond that. No, they have no real substance to them. DOA are not worth the cost of the bikes, the road tax, and the insurance to, <laughs> no. to have them come into the ring. But uh, yeah, they're against LOD 2000, who the announcers are now playing up the things that we were talking about before, because we were mentioning before that, you know, that they were a bit out of place and they're kind of dinosaurs and they don't, they're not the same as they were. And yeah, the announcers are now basically flat out saying, Legion of Doom are pretty crap these days, don't you think? Um, which is kind of hurtful. Now, on the one hand, that's cool that they're actually sort of turning it into a story where Legion of Doom is like, you know, there's a bit of a fall from grace and, you know, they're not as good as they used to be. But at the same time, it's depressing that they have to cover up the fact that Legion of Doom are shit with a storyline yeah. that the Legion of Doom are shit, you know. Yeah. It's stupid. Uh, I mean, it's, it's you can tell that they're trying just to make it work. I mean, you obviously had Sonny, and the most revealing outfit ever has been paired, paired with them since WrestleMania 14. But now they've got Darren Drozdov, uh, a.k.a. Puke, coming out with them. Not really explained why. I no, love Drozd. It just, just comes out. Yeah, he, he just, appeared just on Raw uh, and helped them out. Because, get your heads around this, before this tag team match between the Legion of Doom and DOA, the week before on Raw, they had a six-man with all three members of DOA versus Legion of Doom and Draws. 
So they had the big six man yeah, to build I up mean, to the tag. Actually, match. watching this, it took me a good probably about six or seven minutes to realise that it was just an ordinary, straightforward tag team match. It yeah. makes no sense. Imagine it, it if Doom have two guys in their corner, what a guy and a girl in their corner. It's, it's yeah, really weird. It's very busy. Like it's it's really weird. I mean, maybe they're counting on people not watching Raw, but more people were seeing Raw than the pay per views, I suppose. Mm. But it's stupid. It's like, hey, Adam, I can't wait for our intergender tag match. You know, that's going to happen after our intercontinental championship match. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's. Uh, this doesn't make much sense. Uh, the DOA, I mean, they're kind of they're kind of sloppy, I suppose. I mean, you can you do that. He does it straight away. <laughs> he does. Pile driver. Yeah, <laughs> we got a pile driver from eight ball or school. Whichever. One, one of them. One of them. That's wins. Uh, yeah, which is kind of funny that they keep going. Uh, oh, we don't know which one is which. You know, which is you know, you always do that when you've got a kind of a twin yeah, gimmick or yeah. whatever. Uh, but <laughs> they, they do the twin magic thing that the Bellas do. They yeah, switch yeah. in and out of the yeah. match. They do that at one point. But the funny thing about it is that, you know, Skull and Ball, they switch places, but their jackets say their name on them. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Bellas, now that one of them has got breast implants, yeah. the referee's like, I don't know which one is which. Of course you do. Come on. <laughs> get your fucking head in the game. Read his, his coat. <laughs> um, yeah, so... One other thing I suppose to know this match is we got a lot of Viagra jokes from Jerry Lawler. Yeah, Lally. it's topical to the, the time, I guess. I think Viagra had just come out. JR literally tells Jerry that he needs to lay off the Viagra at one point as well, which is quite nice, I think. Well, it's because Jerry's so erect. <laughs> <laughs> literally, he's like budging the table. There is actually a couple of times in this pay-per-view, JR starts having a go back at Jerry now, which is pretty cool, because yeah. yeah. JR's actually becoming a bit of a character himself. It does become, particularly as... Um, Jim Ross goes away for a little bit because he has an attack of Bell's palsy soon, but when he comes back after that... It was like I think a Russo uh, idea was to give Jr. like a bit of a backbone and have him stand up and kind of you know argue back and not just be like you know the the good yeah, guy in yeah. well, I like that Jr. I, I mean the Jr. when he anytime he argued with Jerry Lawler or he argued with Paul Heyman in two thousand one as well it was always made always for goals. best TV. Yeah, yeah. so funny. It didn't really distract from the matches. Maybe I mean they just did no, it at the right time. Whenever they argue like uh, Jr. and Lawler. It does feel like a proper argument, you know, that's in context of the match. Whereas nowadays, for example, on this week's Raw, you just had uh, JBL, Michael Cole, and King just rambling on and on about any and any shit that yeah. popped into their head. Well, that, that, I think that's because J- um, JR and Jerry, they have such a good chemistry. Chemistry. They've yeah. got such a good And they've got characters. They have roles. Yeah. It's defined what they're meant to do. Like, um, one is a villain, one is a, is a good guy. That's like, it makes it... You know, it makes sense. But this match, yeah, is is really a punch and kick fest. But something you can you can really tell straight away is that compared to the last pay per view, Unforgiven, the crowd are a lot more into this. Yeah, um, yeah. All I thought at the start that maybe it was because it was an AWA territory where the, the Road Warriors were obviously a big deal back in the eighties. But I think throughout the night they're just like they're pretty much they're, 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 great. they're up for it. They really react strongly for for the comeback uh, when the Legion of Doom start you know clearing house. As I said, we don't get a lot of actual wrestling maneuvers in this bar that botched pile driver and a lot of punches and kicks. DOA do twin magic, as I mentioned, but then draws, provides a distraction, blatantly interfering, and Hawk power slams one of the Harris twins, and that's it. One, two, three. Yeah. Kind of strange. Yeah. Are they meant to be the good guys, blatantly cheating? I don't know. I've, I've already forgotten about this match, really. I've yeah, same. Everything that I wrote was everything is so dull. Is It's pretty much the no- only note I wrote for this match. I suppose it's hard to crucify because the crowd are into it, at least, so yeah. it's not, like, awkward. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, yeah it, it doesn't have that awkwardness of, like, a and really short match. And it was short. short. Well there was some awkwardness much. in the match. There was a moment, a, a brief sort of 20 seconds, where the camera was zooming in, then out again on Sonny's arse. Which I Beautiful. did notice. We're just by not even not even focusing on the wrestlers. Just let's look at Sonny's ass for a good twenty seconds. Zoom in and out. 
what an awful way to debut draws when you think about it. Yeah. He's so overshadowed. He had, he had no chance here. You've got like Hawk and Animal who, even by the announcers are saying they're like glory hogs and past their prime. And then you got Sonny who's like literally dressed like a Mortal Kombat stripper. Like, how, the man's not even got a chance really, which is a no, shame. It's really unfair. They should have done the six-man tag at the pay-per-view. It makes so much more sense. Yeah, Dra- Draws is like... It's just backward. Dra- Draws is like, he has two things going from One, he was a really amazing athlete because you know he was, he was on Monday Night Football. He was in the NFL. He was a big deal. And two, he had a really unique look. No one else looked like Draws. I remember being really into Draws when I was a kid, solely because, you know, he wore, like, pyjama pants and, you know, had a silly hat. <laughs> and uh, something that is interesting about Draws, which uh, Jerry pointed out, was that he was an answer to a Trivial Pursuit question, to which nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> but what's, he, what's, what, what, what's, I mean, like, a little bit of, a little they tidbit of knowledge. That, yeah. Does, yeah. He's an answer to a Trivial Pursuit question. I mean, you know. What question, Jerry? Just what that, question? Just leave it that. Well, there you go. Legion of Doom continue their winning ways. But we're getting, again, this weird Russo-inspired stuff we're getting now, which is like, oh, no one's really a good guy. No one's really a bad guy. You know, Legion of Doom are technically the good guys, but they're cheating because, you know, oh, it's... Yeah, I'm it's sure hard to root for he people. He felt like he was pushing the envelope with that, but in the world of wrestling, you can't do that this much. You're just confusing no. the fans. You can do it a little bit, like when CM Punk was like ambiguous. Yeah, in small amounts, you can make that work. You, can you have can't one... do it across the entire yeah, roster. You can it's have ridiculous. one or two characters, but yeah. you can't have it be like the status quo. Yeah. I mean, you have I'm sure to root... we'll find more of this as we go on. As oh well. yeah, we definitely will. So Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler now begin discussing the Farouk situation, which is nice because they haven't really mentioned it in the last two months since Farouk. Uh, left Rock hanging at WrestleMania 14. This is uh, kind of strange. The Ken Shamrock was written off TV as Own Heart turned heel and joined the Nation of Domination, which I remember we were saying, oh, can't wait for Own to turn heel because it's mm. a nice story that was building up with Own getting frustrated, etc., etc. He finally snaps. Finally snaps and joins the Nation. No promo, no explanation. Why Just is, some sunglasses. Why, why, yeah, why is he put on a pair of sunglasses and is with a group of black militants? No, no natural progression. No whatsoever. natural progression. But again, now it's like they're just kind of filling up this loophole, which is basically Farouk and The Rock technically still have an issue, even though they've forgotten about it for <laughs> some time now. So The Rock comes out looking as only The Rock can to cut a promo in the Milwaukee crowd. Uh, this is absolutely brilliant. You know, before The Rock lays a smackdown. The Rock knows that everyone here wants to know exactly how The Rock feels about the beer capital of the world, (laughs) Old Milwaukee. (laughs) Well, The Rock feels like this. Obviously, you don't become a blue chipper and a champ like The Rock by sucking down beer and stuffing bratwurst down your damn throat every day. I'll tell you what, however, on the other hand, if The Rock grew up here in old Milwaukee and he had to choose and pick one of those overweight, beer-drinking, bearded female pigs to call his own... (laughs) Oh, there's one. Stop that. Well, hell, The Rock would be doing a lot of sucking down on beers just like a baby sucks on a pacifier if you smell what The Rock is cooking. Right! 
You'd have to be drunk to date one of these dogs. Uh, the Rock, yeah, I'm interesting, of course, my favourite line there. You can't, you don't become a blue chipper like The Rock by sucking down beer and bratwurst every day. <laughs> I think he crossed the line there, knocking beer and sausage, but uh, I'll let it slide because it is The Rock. He called the women of Milwaukee, what was it? Pigs. Pigs. Them pigs and then Jerry Lawler with a camera cut to a member of the audience <laughs> and Jerry Lawler went, look, there's one. <laughs> Just some sweet old woman with a sign. There's one now. <laughs> I, I, I mean, you know, I, I, I appear on camera on the WrestleMania 25 uh, DVD, and that's like when I appeared, I was so happy. I was like, "Oh my god, there I am!" Imagine this poor woman, exactly, yeah, watching the replay. Going, oh, there I am! Oh wait, I've been insulted on national TV by Jerry the King Lawler of that, all people. That crook. Um, so yeah, The Rock is basically just kind of running down everyone. I think no real specific reason for this. Farouk comes out to defend the honour of Milwaukee's women yeah. and their right to eat bratwurst and beer. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Farouk, but he has something of a history of running to the cause of issues that people don't care about. Uh, <laughs> in 2002, when Devon Dudley became Reverend Devon, did you know about this? Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't know he those. came out and he cuts this promo and he's like, I want to tell you about something evil. It's called masturbation. And everyone's like, boo, don't run down masturbation. And he's like, it's evil. If you do it, you're a bad person. Then Farouk's music hits. <laughs> and he comes in, he's like, hold on a minute. I love masturbation. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, you know. That's in, a gimmick waiting to happen. Right? He's like the Green Lantern. And like, in Darkest Day and Blackest Night, if Milwaukee's women or masturbation gets insulted, my ass is there. <laughs> Um, the Rock and gets a chair, bops himself, then Farouk sets up. This is the first of I don't know how many we see tonight, but he pile drives The Rock onto, he's meant to be onto the chair, but he misses, but yeah. they act like he did on the chair anyway. How many pile drivers do we get tonight? A lot. Uh, well, we had one in the match beforehand with DOA. Oh, well, that wasn't really, they fell over to the side. I haven't got a count, but I'm guessing there's probably about eight or nine pile drivers. Over the age of 1998, night of pile drivers. So basically, the nation come to the ring, and then they start, you know, they start doing, you know, the, the whole shoot, he's broken his neck. Yeah. For thing. some reason, no medics come out whatsoever. No, the nation are. The nation are the ones looking after. Well, because Jerry Lawler says about Owen, he goes, he's got, he knows how to treat a broken neck. He's broken a few in his time. Uh, oh, good God. Classless evil, individual. Evil. <laughs> so yeah, they basically act like the Rock is legitimately killed, like which again brings up the whole face and heel thing because now Farouk might have broken the Rock's neck, and yeah, Farouk's a good guy and everything, but still, you pal drove a man onto a chair after you started a fight yourself. It's, yeah, it's very strange and it's very solemn, and they um, was a bit worried they almost killed the crowd because it's like when you got like a reprehensible bad guy like the Rock. You want to like beat him up and like set yeah. him over the top rope, and he's like, "Oh God damn it!" And he gets you know he gets Runs taught a lesson. Stage. You don't but want to cripple him. He comes out, he's like, "Oh, you all suck," and then he's like, "I might not be able to walk ever again." Yeah, because then you Yay? get like, five minutes of awkward silence where the crowd has to watch the nation picking the rock up and taking him slowly backstage. No it's crowd is going to cheer that. Maybe killer. maybe they thought the crowd were a lot more bloodthirsty than they actually were. <laughs> ECW guys maybe would have cheered for that, like you yeah, know, they would have yeah. chanted "Break his neck" or something. But anyway, we cut backstage quickly where Stone Cold Steve Austin is interviewed by Michael Cole, saying that tonight he will overcome the incredibly ridiculous odds with Vince McMahon being the ref and the Stooges being the uh, ring announcer and timekeeper against Dude Love and his bottom line was Vince McMahon's ass will always belong to Stone Cold Steve Austin <laughs> cut back oh boy 
It's Tennessee Lee in the oh. ring. Which only means it's time for Double J. Um, uh, sorry, but I am so, so sick of this now. I remember when I yeah, saw so him come on screen. Like, seriously, I am so fucking sick and what, tired of What, of Tennessee Lee or Jeff Jarrett? Just all of it. All of this it. whole Because as soon as you see him, you know what's coming. You know you're about to come in you know, to a disappointing oh, yeah, 15 match. 15 minutes here, I can just, you know, mentally tune out for a little while. What? I never understood why this... What was like placed so prominently on the card for so long because I mean like just like beforehand you got this obviously it was an awkward situation the whole uh, breaking the next spot but it was a gritty real kind of like you know trying to push the envelope you haven't seen this kind of thing before and it's like oh man you know this WWF program is is real you know uh, edgy and then you got you know Tennessee Lee who's got a fucking bird nest in his hat bringing out (laughs) Double J who's dressed like an absolute prick (laughs) what is he wearing he looks like like he's from Flash Gordon (laughs) (laughs) but yeah Jeff comes out you know with his 20 minute entrance no such bad music I hate his entrance I mean, I think Sawyer Brown should have played him out live. Uh, oh, yeah, definitely. You know. Again, no Jennifer Flowers. I'm pissed. Yeah. Um, Steve Blackman comes out, though, so immediately I'm oh happy. Oh, God, he looks amazing. With his he? armpit hair and cold, dead eyes. <laughs> yeah, seriously. His face during that entrance. You imagine that Steve Blackman is getting ready to fight you, and he's just staring at you like he is with Double J. He is a terrifying man. Dan Severn had that as well. I think we talked about this before, Adam, which is like, you give Steve Blackman a microphone, Straight away, his mystique is gone. Yeah. There's no charisma there. But he comes out with his... His music, by the way, is so incredibly badass. Comes out to that yeah. music looking like that. He just oozes, like, character. He just... He has this silent charisma about him. I think he's bloody awesome. And he's got his little sticks as well. Yeah, it kind of ruins it a little bit. He's got glow sticks, I think. Just ordinary kendo sticks would have been cool. But... Originally, what they did was he came out and they, they went blue... They did blue light all around the ring. So he did his dancey stuff. UV. And yeah. it was all, like... Going like to a that. rave. But obviously, they stopped doing that because all the jizz stains all over the commentators <laughs> from Jerry Lawler. Like, um, so he just came out regularly. So uh, Blackman immediately begins kicking the holy bejesus out of Jeff Jarrett. I think he's trying to get revenge for the last month's incredibly awkward encounter where he oh, tried yeah. to stop the awful concert and then got beaten up for his troubles. Yeah. Uh, Double J doing a lot of taunts. A lot of taunts. A lot of dancing from, yeah. from Jeff Jarrett. A lot of posturing yeah. for the camera. He, he bores me to tears and part of me thinks that, you know, it's just because he's incredibly boring and I don't like Double J, but then... It's I don't know. It's good that I hate him because he is a heel. You know, the heel that's not to... that's not the heat. It's he... the wrong heat, though. Yeah. Here's the thing: heat for a heel, as, as I understand it, at least, is you should want to see Double J come out because you want to see him get beaten up. You mm. shouldn't not want to see him altogether. Very true. And yeah. if you were to pick between seeing Jeff Jarrett and seeing him beaten up or not seeing him at all, you'd probably pick the latter. I would imagine. Yeah. And that's not a good sign no. for for any like kind of gimmick. I mean, yeah, it's like. Maybe it's out of place because it's so old school. You know, you got Tennessee Lee you know, doing you know, the the trip rope trips, the old timey, tired eighties kind of uh, Villain villainry. You know, yeah, um, it's quite funny. We uh, we get Jim Ross continually saying that Double J needs a mean streak. He needs to tough it up and get a mean streak. I think he needs new ring gear. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's it's. Again, this is another case of like the commentators blatantly calling out like what the fans are saying. Yeah. Like, He's a bit of shit, isn't he? Well, then yeah. why is he on TV, Jim Ross? <laughs> uh, we get cut to Al Snow, who's wearing a poncho, sitting in on Spanish commentary. Uh, Al Snow had actually debuted a few weeks prior. He yeah. trying to get a job uh, and a meeting with Vince McMahon through various means. So they're acknowledging that he is technically contracted with ECW. So this is kind of the talent 
trade that they've kind of got going at the moment. But it's cool to see Al Snow finally debut. I'm a big fan of Al Snow. I remember you saying to me, it was quite a, wasn't it quite cool the way they were bringing him, like uh, bringing him in, like how he'd have to go up to Jerry Lauder and say, hey, can you uh, have a quick word with me about that job you promised and stuff like that? And was that Al Snow that was one? Yeah, that, 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 that was. Al, basically, Jerry Lawler had made an off-color remark about uh, about the Undertaker's mother. And Undertaker killed Jerry Lawler one week on Raw. <laughs> the next week, then he was he brought in a bit of protection, and it was Al Snow. And right. it was he was saying basically, "You look after me tonight. I'll get you a meeting with Vince." And right. you know, Al kept getting taken away by security and stuff like that. It was cool. Like it was, I like when they do this kind of like, "Oh, this guy's trying to get a job. He's not with the company, yeah. even though he is." But it's cool to see someone debut as like an outsider like that. Um, but we're getting a lot of you guys in at this time. They're really like amping up. Yeah, we got Val Venus, Val of course, Venus, who yeah. debuted. He hasn't on, hasn't on the pay-per-view yet, but we got all those amazing promos with him in bed, getting his dick sucked and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, Al Snow is on Spanish commentary. Head is wearing a sombrero. <laughs> yeah, that made me laugh a lot. <laughs> I love the way they don't make any attempt to go, hey, this is Al Snow. He's a crazy character. He has head. It's just like, here's a guy with a head. Just yeah. Make of it what you will. Oh, I like it's that. Al Snow again. They just sort of do that. It's sort of just like, oh, he's Yeah, he's, he's kind of like an annoyance. He gets taken away by security. And we get possibly one of the most outstanding grunts of the night now. I was about to say, yeah, shortly after that, 33 minutes and 13 seconds into the pay-per-view, exactly, <laughs> we have my grunt of the night, which is where JJ grabs, uh, JJ, sorry, uh, Double J grabs Steve Blackman and goes, Google, at the same time. <laughs> if you could just put that in there, Kevin. Oh, uh, yes, I will. Uh, I think, uh, as Adam is a self-admitted fan of grunts so much, we'll probably try and find one, at least one every episode. There will be. Yeah, I will always so. find a grunt. Uh, Double J locks in a very long rear chin lock and starts mouthing off really intense, like in this really regular hole. He's like, ring the bell, ask him. It's like, what? What is he, Kurt? I'm gonna break your fucking chin. <laughs> what is he, Kurt Angle? It's this is he sitting down with his hands over his face. Yeah, not very convincing offense. So slow no. at this point in the match as well now. Things have just, you know, dragged to a snail's mm. pace. We get, like, a double 10-count spot, which is always bad. It's a barometer of a match when you've got a double 10-count spot and the audience don't react when someone gets to their feet. Yeah. Yeah. And we get, like, a springboard botch as well. It's, like... It's, it's kind of like... The way you had built it up, and you mentioned having Blackman being this killer and Jeff Jarrett being such a goof, and the announcers are talking about how Jeff Jarrett hasn't got a mean bone in his body. Why not have Blackman just come out and, like, you know kill him like do yeah. like a shamrock yeah. you know that. but instead we've got like this guy who's meant to be a martial arts badass and he is but he can't put away this you know goofy freak with yeah. his yeah. blonde mullet like it makes him look bad and then we get like we get like 10 interference spots as we end like Tennessee Lee comes in you know we get like a roll up with a two count then Tennessee Lee gets the stick you know then Tennessee Lee comes in again and he hits Blackman it's like Pick one spot and do it. And he's doing them all badly as well. Like there's one where um, he's meant to put Double J's foot on the ropes, but he's already got his foot on the ropes, and then Tennessee just comes in last second and tries to make it look like he helped out. Like he's a real shit manager. Tennessee Lee, I think, really proves that not just anyone can be a manager. Yeah. Because I mean, if you look at like Paul Bearer or like Bobby Heenan or someone in comparison. There's actually a, a whole lot more going on there about timing and whatnot, yeah. and this guy doesn't know what he's doing. He's no. He's as stupid as his half. So uh, basically, we get this a million, a million billion interference spots. Double J 
finally ends up winning, which makes me wonder, why would you have like three spots backfire if he's just going to interfere again for a fourth time? Yeah, if you have all that interference, then fair enough if Blackman wins, because it makes it look like he's overcome all these... Uh... He's just trying to make it longer. Exactly, it? yeah. Stupid ending. Oh boy, it's time for Sable and Mark Merrill. Uh... Yes! <laughs> yes! Um, which is nice, because before, Billy, we've always had Luna or Goldust, yeah. you know, who are both entertaining characters and good workers, to kind of, you know, cover up some of this, so to speak. Yeah. But now it's, it's, we've boiled down this feud into its most potent, disgusting Jew. We've got Mark Merrow and Sable together in the ring. We've thrown in. away the wheat and we have just the chaff. <laughs> <laughs> um, they recap the kind of, this ridiculous thing, which is that Sable is in Mark Merrow's corner still, but she keeps costing him matches. But Merrow is like forcing her like to still be in his corner because he's got a contract. Yeah. You know he's got a contract, Adam, don't you? Yeah, that contract. Because he comes out with a big piece of paper that says contract on Mark it. Mark Merrow and Sable. Literally, in giant just capital like, like letters. a child has yeah, made it. Just something. made on Microsoft Word, just sent it everything, put everything to like 30. We'll Times New Roman. Times New Roman. <laughs> Check our Twitter page, we'll put a little uh, screen cap of that on there, because it's ridiculous. You literally couldn't make it up. It, again, it's like, you know, we're trying to be gritty and real. It's like, mate, no contract ever has looked like <laughs> So yeah, um, Merrow comes out, the whole thing is that he was basically saying that Sable can pick someone to fight him and if he gets beaten she's let out of the contract yeah which is I suppose why, why would you why would you even give her the chance Mark yeah, yeah. why oh, would you give her the chance um, JR says straight away he's like oh, I don't like this uh, intergender stuff because Sable is just announced that she's the one who's going to fight Mark Merrow and yet also the stipulation is that if Mark wins then Sable has to leave the company forever oh okay yeah Inter- intergender matches where do you stand on them if done right, they can be good, I guess, you know. They I mean, obviously Andy Kaufman's the only person who's done it right. I'm actually wearing my intergender yeah. Wesley Women's Championship. <laughs> Andy Kaufman is the only person who's done it right. I mean, I guess you can say Santina Morella's done it okay. I'm trying to think, like, of times when it's actually been done, like... Oh, so it's Chikara, maybe, when they get, like... Yeah, yeah. Chikara well, well. King of Trios in, in and they Chikara, get the girls' intergender isn't actually a gimmick, though, because the women wrestlers are just as good as the male wrestlers. That's yeah. true, yeah. It doesn't really count. Yeah, because anytime they do do an intergender stuff in WWF, there was always this, like, the kind of... So it's always like back. a goofy match. Yeah. But in the background, it's always like kind of like, oh, women will never be able to beat up men, kind of. It's just, like, weird, just kind of yeah. mildly sexist. There's no quality, kind of, yeah. Yeah, obviously, China's a different story, but her matches were awful anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Mark Merrow starts acting sincere and it, this is annoying because before at least we'd have to hear Merrow talk so much but he's got a really annoying voice oh. this Sunday <laughs> and he's even worse when he's trying to be sincere because he's, yeah. he's meant to be like Sable you know I, I want to put this behind him but he's like Sable you must hate me I'm not so bad <laughs> he sounds like a villain from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles <laughs> <laughs> he's like a rock steady <laughs> <laughs> oh god um, Mero acts like he's going to be uh, a good guy he says he's going to lay down and let Sable get out of the yeah. contract he keeps like bringing up like oh you know we came in together we were really happy yeah. I mean they were husband and wife but this is awkward because they were actually having like real life problems because Mero was signed to WWF because Vince McMahon loved his character in WCW and then what they found out was that they couldn't do that character because Turner owned the rights to the gimmick. Right. But when they were in the meeting, Vince McMahon and uh, Vince Russo as well, I think they were just blown away by Sable. So they were like, oh, we'll bring you in, but we'll bring in Sable as well. So it's like, they brought, like, she had no experience in wrestling. She was just brought in because she was his... With him. 
with him, like kind of as part of this complete package. And I did not just, know that. I had no, no idea. I Mero was Ren, or, um, Sable's real name is Rena, Rena Mero. So I mean, ah. it's it was a, it's a bad idea from the start, like yeah. to give her like that spotlight because it, I mean, Mero is bad, but I mean. You kind of feel bad from the sense that he's in this awful position. He's feuding. Yeah, they with- could have done more with him if you know Sable wasn't around. Maybe you never know. He might have been able to do something decent, even. Yeah, but it's kind of it's awkward here. Basically, anyway, he says he's going to lay down. He's acting like he's you know he's had a change of heart. The crowd for some reason boo this though. It's like <laughs> Sable, I'm going to do the what's right. Boo, <laughs> boo chivalry. Um, but we get a swerve. Yeah, because as soon as Sable tries to pit him, he kicks out, reverses a, a her. A swerve I didn't see coming. Generally didn't see it coming. I will say, I, I, I've, we've ran down Mark Merrow so much, but the second he wins, he jumps up and down like he's won the world belt or something. That made me laugh quite probably a bit. Probably the highlight of his career, actually. Yeah. Probably the best thing he did in wrestling was his little celebration after being It was funny. He was like jumping up and down like he, like he had accomplished some great feat. And he was also gassed as well. He was like, yeah. sweating. <laughs> <laughs> like you win, you've, you've talked sincere. It's like just talking sincerely for like more than a minute make you break out in a sweat or something. But uh, he basically says that Sarah Sable, as for the terms of the agreement is now gone and he tries to start singing you know the na 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 his voice And he also forgets the words. It's na, 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 Here's one which I don't get, Billy. Jerry Lawler's like, yeah, Sable's gone, yeah! He's, he loves her, though. He's been All he talks her about is her. Yeah. And, like, he's suddenly happy that she's gone. He is, Inconsistent. He is, it's blatant sometimes how he is just literally, for the sake of it, supporting the heel and changing yeah. opinions left, right, that, and centre. That's been my greatest criticism of, of Jerry for these couple. It's just, it doesn't, there's no rhyme or reason to it sometimes. Exactly, yeah. I, there's holes. It, it, there's logic, and logic dictates you act in a specific way even though you know it's predetermined and everything like that but he acts so unlogically at times it just doesn't make sense yeah it's uh, it's kind of strange but anyway that's it apparently Sable's gone forever guys so uh, that's it because as we know if you lose a match in wrestling where it says you must leave that's that's done does a little uh, interview backstage where she uh, thanks her fans don't want to thank those twats just tell them goodbye Here's Sable now. Sable, I mean, I'm in shock. I'm sure the world's in shock. I mean, I I I can't believe what happened out there. You know, I didn't even think Mark could stoop this low. I should have known better. All I can say is I would just like to thank all my fans for their support. And just tell them goodbye. <laughs> oh, the most uninspired. Yeah, yeah, it's. Um, I, I don't but like. 
as we've seen over of Sable's fans, the way the way they act, they're not really fans of her. Actually, yeah, that's a good like, point. She's she's thanking these men who hold up signs saying "Thanks for the memories and Sable." Okay, Sable's fans are the kind of guys who would like go to a porn convention and get their picture taken with like their yeah, favorite yeah. actress. You know, it, it just creeps. But like Sable was straight up. She she always said the reason she signed the contract was she wanted to be in Playboy. She wanted to be a big yeah. star. She didn't give two craps about wrestling and she didn't know anything about wrestling so I mean you know yeah. what do you expect you're not you're not gonna get someone like I mean anyone who's a Sable fan I mean I couldn't imagine any girl any uh, you know young girl growing up like any young be fans of Sable like they would have with let's say Lita or Trish or yeah. like or even Luna like cause she's yeah. not a character she's just like you know I want to be famous please yeah reprehensible not gonna be missed but she'll be back obviously uh, we cut backstage with The Nation who are talking with Doc Hendricks who's uh, Michael Hayes you say they're talking with him they aren't. Everyone's just grunting. Blah, 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 yeah. blah, 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 yeah. Rock's neck. Blah, 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 broken. Blah, blah, blah. So Rock's neck is still broken. Yeah. <laughs> it hasn't still healed broken. in the last 20 minutes. Uh, Owen is wearing an awful pair of sunglasses. <laughs> yeah. And he's got like this weird... Per- he doesn't even look like Owen Hart. He looks so strange. And he's just pointing at the camera every now and then. Like, um, very... <sighs> he's pulling a weird sort of face as well. Like, I'm, I'm he's already... kind of pulling a bit of a Robert De Niro face. Who's, like... <laughs> yeah, the way he's uh, distorting his mouth. Yeah. yeah, we'll pop a screen cap of that up on the Twitter page for people I'm to see. I'm already starting to get nervous about this, though. Because, you know, me and you, Billy, were just starting to get into the Owen Hart hype. Like, oh, this is great. And now already it's like, yeah. oh, God, please don't screw this up. Please three, just... three episodes in and we already think that this is going to go about way exactly yeah well it's like look at the last pay-per-view he's like that's it you know like you know i've i've had enough you know stuff has got to change and this has been building since his brother has you know left uh for wcw and getting screwed and all this and he's now he's just you know oh you know never mind my my business guys the rocks hurt his neck i'm a background yeah. character now how he's shuffled of a potentially good storyline do that with anyone else, but don't do it with someone like Owen Hart who can actually get good matches out of people. You know, yeah. why would you put him to the lose him in the shuffle? But anyway, we just having this heel in a sympathetic position. I just don't understand it. But we get something amazing coming up now. This is such yeah. a dark horse of a match, and it's mm-hmm. bloody brilliant. Kai and Tai, who've just debuted recently, originally as Club Kamikaze. They're basically a bunch of uh, it's Dick Togo and some evil uh, and Funaki and another guy from. Sorry, I don't know his name. Um, <laughs> Coming in to basically they're feuding with Taka, following over on like feuds they had in, in Japanese wrestling. Taka has aligned himself with Bradshaw, so we've got three on two handicap match. Kai and Tai with Mr. Yamagachi in their corner against Bradshaw and Taka Michinoku. Um, bit of an odd pairing, Bradshaw and Taka. Really odd. At first, really I odd. thought, oh god, what's going to happen? I here? thought this but match was going to be terrible. I was so wrong. Like this is considering it's one of the weirdest pairings I've seen in wrestling. Bradshaw and Taka are really, really great together. They didn't give them much reason, but why they were like teaming up together, other than like you know, Kaintai attacked Bradshaw, Kaintai attacked Taka. So they're like, well, let's let's team up. We had one really strange segment on Raw before this, where it just cuts backstage into the parking lot, and Bradshaw and Taka are in a car together Taka is like at the wheel and like he's just revving the engine loads and Brad is going oh what are you doing you can't drive a car you no good Asians can't drive a car <laughs> and I'm like what wow Ta- what they actually did this like it's like Taka is an amazing athlete he's had an amazing match every time we've seen him mm. and they're doing this like really racist good lord you can't drive what 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 a way to like make a guy seem like a chump yeah who yeah. cleared that uh, Vince Russo obviously <laughs> like, uh, Bradshaw hated Russo for doing stuff like this because he said that when they formed the Acolytes particularly when they were the APA 
that he wanted them always to do like racial humor that because one of them was black and one of them was white Russo apparently just thought it was the funniest thing ever like yeah it's not funny like yeah you know there's no need for that I mean, you could like maybe play off preconceived notions about you know people's races, and you know if you're a very good comedic writer. But Vince Russo is not. He's literally going, "Oh, look at him! He's from a different country." You shouldn't make it a character type. You shouldn't make it like you know pretty much the only thing that character has is some sort of racial attribute. Well, they only did it once, and they didn't make any mention to it in this pay per view. So I suppose that could show you how well it went over. But we uh, straight away, good God, the size of Bradshaw. We saw him in that battle royal, but he's a fucking horse here he is, well, I, I think that's another reason why they've put him with um, Tucker is because how big he is compared Polar to opposites. him it's Polar such a opposites. cool when you've got like the three little, like because you know uh, Togo and Fanaki and Tucker are amazing wrestlers but just to see Bradshaw in comparison to them it yeah. just makes him straight away like this guy's a uh, He's a big deal. He comes out with the you know the hat and the rope and the chat. Yeah. He's like Stan Henson or something. He's really like just like a badass. And his music is awesome as well. Yeah. Um. So Bradshaw is very stiff, but very. In, in we'll a good get to that later when it comes to the hot tag. In, in yeah. a good way. Um. Togo and Taka basically start off. I mean, these are guys who had wrestled countless times in Japan. Uh, so they're just kind of going straight away here, it doing shows. like pulling no pulling no punches, and it's amazing because. I don't think the crowd had ever seen anything like this. No. Fast sequences, absolutely amazing athleticism. So cool. Not the kind of thing you expect to see in WWF. It's Not in really, an undercard match. Yeah. Like, the fact that... It shows like kind of how silly they are, the fact that they could put on, like, Jeff Jarrett and Steve Blackman, and then this, and think they're kind of of equal value. Yeah. This is, like, should have been Leagues a way ahead. more featured, like... And Dick Togo, I'd never, ever heard of him before this. Um, Togo's amazing. Yeah. Good God, he is amazing. He is he's really so good. agile, considering he's that size. He's, like, he's, he's, he's squat, like, he's a short, round dude in an Iron Maiden t-shirt. They all look like ECW rejects, like, yeah. or, like, guys who would be in, like, Raven's Flock or something. Yeah. But each of them is just an amazing competitor, so fast, like, no no botches or anything like that. It's really like uh, Chikara, again. Very Chikara. Yeah. I know we're always name-dropping Chikara, but this is really kind of like that, really cool, fast action. Uh, but yeah, Taka basically, the numbers game catches up with him and uh, Togo and Finaki start working over Taka. Then we get the build-up. It's been building all night. Uh, Bradshaw hasn't been in the match yet. And then all of a sudden, boom, here comes that hot oh tag. Oh my God. Amazing. Big boot, big boot, big boot, scoop slam, powerbomb, killing everybody. Tiger suplex. Yeah, a big, incredible tiger suplex. You think about Bradshaw putting as much force as he can into all these moves on those old WWF mats, those are the really, yeah. really hard ones. I feel bad for Kanye. Yeah, absurd. He was killing them. Crowd are way into it as well, yeah. which is awesome. I think it's around here as well that uh, Jerry Jerry says something. Um, it's either uh, at this point or it's just a little bit before where he says that Kanye are running away like they're running away from Godzilla. You know, just just throw that out. Just throw that out, Jerry. Well, then he comes out again uh, a bit later on saying that they're just a bunch of Japanese street punks. I think was it his exact words regarding Kai and Tai. You could say that they are a bunch of street pugs because of the way that they're. Tra- yeah. I mean, but it's like it's like it's like disqualifying them from being good because they're Japanese. Yeah. It's like I you know you don't want to be preach or anything, but it's just the, how little cons- you know consideration they gave. Yeah. It, it's just kind of shocking. I think it's literally just showing how times have changed. Really, yeah. You wouldn't now, like. Could you imagine if, like, you know, I mean, even with the really racy stuff they're doing at the moment with, like, uh, Jack Swagger and all that. Yeah. But, like, they wouldn't even go as far to say, oh, he's just a stupid Mexican. You know, they wouldn't, they wouldn't go that far. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. times have changed. Well, it's, it's, in this match particularly, you can just tell that Jerry is like a child just wanting attention. He Anytime, will say anything. Very yeah. true. That's a very good And point. you wouldn't mind, is, 
it's not as if there's not enough good action for him to, to be commenting yeah. on. I mean, it's like, look at all these amazing moves and this amazing action that's going on. Everyone is looking cool here. But uh, Bradshaw, he, he, of course, he clears house. And what I'm going to say, I can be proven wrong on this, but if you could find me a better hot tag in the history of uh, no, <laughs> tag yeah, matches. No, it was absolutely amazing. That is literally my favourite thing And the best ever. part was as well, when I was watching it, I was remember thinking like, you know, because the hot tag had been building up for so long and it was a great match and Taka was like, you know, being kept back away from Bradshaw for ages. You knew there was going to be a hot tag soon and you knew it was going to be good. And I good thought it was going to be bad. And this Bradshaw was jumping up and down. He was just sitting there He was waiting, waiting and yeah. then he comes in and he is stiff as a dick. Just kicking <laughs> the out of everyone. I will say, people, go out of your way to watch this match because definitely. this is definitely yeah. the first time where it's like, this is a match you will definitely not have heard of because it's it's an undercard match that wasn't even promoted. on a. It was called a special bonus match. They didn't announce it ahead of yeah. time. So... Go out of your way uh, to see this. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. We get uh, Bradshaw, of course. The kind of started like outnumbering them. The three of them like take him down. And Togo poses on top of Bradshaw. The other two hold him <laughs> yeah. down. Absolutely hysterical moments. Uh, of course, yeah, we get a big uh, senton bomb from Togo, which is his finisher. Kind of win. One, yeah. two, three. Yeah. What a match. Perfect great match. Great Perfect match. pace. And great ending as well. That's like the best undercard match we've seen so far. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree. Uh, out of any of these pay-per-views. But anyway, um, we have Farouk coming out. We it's have, time for We his... have a, a backstage segment first. Oh, God, sorry, Sable again. Yeah, we have Sable just simply a static shot oh, of, of her course, yeah. walking up the uh, the ramp, leaving the building forever. So she gets three segments. Yeah, mm-hmm. holding what apparently looks like a New York builder's metal lunchbox. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Going back to the construction site now, she's not working for wrestling anymore. <laughs> Gonna go whistle at some broads. <laughs> Oh, good God. Um, so, right, yeah. Farouk comes out, and this is amazing, because this is Farouk before he's in the, the Acolytes, but Farouk after he's in the nation. Transitioning. Transitioning. And we get this absurd music. The first thing we hear we get the, is entrance music that comes out was uh, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air theme. Oh, the little drum beat, yeah. yeah. He comes out to complete silence. Yep. Here he is, ladies and gentlemen. Here's the man who broke another man's neck earlier on. <laughs> They've completely killed any energy he might have had going into this match by doing that whole weird neck And you know what angle. the silly thing was? I bet the reason they did that whole break his neck angle was because they were like, oh, Farouk hasn't got any heat going into this match. We better do something real quick. Yeah. Because, you know, they hadn't touched the feud in like yeah. a month. Well, back was way to do it. Uh, so the Rock's music hits which is always good because Rock has you know sweet music here just him going Rock laying the Smackdown he's, you know, <laughs> he's like William Shatner voiceover of his own you know um, the set actually just I notice here because we get this prolonged shot of the set empty waiting stage. for the empty stage it looks awful yeah set. real low quality because you know, I think they're trying to do the basic idea is that, you know, there's there's cars crashed in like rubble. It's meant to be like kinda of like a war zone kind of thing. Yeah. But it just looks like someone's tipped a load of shite and yeah. like there's no rhyme or reason to it. It looks really bad. But yeah, Rock's music hits, doesn't come out, Rock's music hits again, still nothing. Sergeant Slaughter then comes out. Rocky my via You signed a contract to wrestle here tonight and defend the Intercontinental Heavyweight Championship. So as the commissioner of the World Wrestling Federation, I am ordering you to come out here now within 10 seconds, or else I will represent and give Mr. Farouk the Intercontinental Heavyweight Championship. Said it right, you just Rocky, the countdown starts now. 10. 
Shane. Five. Four. Three. You smell what the rock is cooking? And he orders The Rock to come out and wrestle, otherwise he will represent Farouk with the World Wrestling Federation Intercontinental. Mr. Farouk, sorry. Mr. Farouk. But he says he'll represent him with the World Wrestling Federation Intercontinental belt. Get that microphone out of his hand. You had one line. Yeah. (laughs) One line. Yeah, absolutely reprehensibly bad from Slaughter. Mr. Farouk, what yeah. is he thinking? And this is, yeah, this is where it gets really even more heelish of Farouk now, because not only did he potentially break The Rock's neck, now he's got Commissioner Slaughter demanding that The Rock carries on and fights yeah. anyway. And he, he says, I'm going to count to ten, and if The Rock doesn't come out in the count of ten, I'm going to give Farouk the belt. Yeah. And Farouk's like, yeah, that's a good idea. Like, villains. Yeah. The Rock's being yeah. bullied, literally being bullied into fighting. He's tonight. got a broken neck. Yeah. What's going on? It's it, you know, I mean, from, like from a storyline point of view, it just makes absolutely no sense. So the Rock finally comes out. He's got a neck brace on. He's <laughs> yeah. like doing this whole thing where he's like, I don't think I can walk. He comes into the ring and the match starts. The Rock is wrestling in a neck brace. Yeah, yeah, unbelievable. And the crowd straight away are dead because they don't want to see a man with a broken neck fight a man who broke a man's neck. Yeah. <laughs> um, Luckily, though, two minutes in, The Rock's neck seems to be fine again as he's doing some really snappy DDTs landing around the back of his head. Well, no what happened yeah. was... I, I don't think his neck is broken. Do you think? I, don't, I, I think they may have done it as part of, you know, just, just, just a bit of a story. Well, here's the thing. Know. They wow. actually took yeah. off The Rock and his neck. <laughs> Carry on, kid. <laughs> Just thought I'd derail that for a section. Uh, the Rock had his neck brace taken off, and as, as if like by magic, yeah, his neck all of a sudden becomes better. Because when The Rock goes on offense, he no longer has a broken neck. <laughs> yeah. But I think maybe it was just like, The Rock was maybe just calling an audible, kind of going, well, the crowd is fucking dead, I have to do something. Well, yeah, I mean, how can The Rock possibly wrestle his best when he's going to try and sell a broken neck all night? You can't blame him for it. I love Farouk. I love Farouk's offense, but it's not like snappy, I'm a good guy, I'm going to beat this dude up. It's like, you know, punches. He you can't know, carry the head by himself. He's not going to, exactly. It's 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 really bad. Um, <laughs> we got all these really, like, slow beatdown spots with Farouk, which is good because you get a good look at the crowd and someone's just got a sign that says, Goldberg fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> You get thrown out for having a sign like that these days. Yeah. Here's this is it now. This is basically the moment where Farouk, like even being close to the main event, gets killed off forever. Pins the rock. One, two, three. The rock's foot is on the rope. You can't see it, but it goes one, two, three, and the crowd don't even like. No, no reaction. They don't even go. Oh, you know, they don't even make a single bit of reaction, and that's it. It's like you're done. Bad sign. The rock rolls him up, puts his foot in the ropes, and Farouk loses. Farouk loses to a man with, with a broken neck, basically. Yeah. And then Farouk goes on to kill him again. Two more pile drivers. And the nation don't show up for a fucking eternity. It's it's really weird. Like Everything yeah. about this whole angle is just so strange because the nation take fucking forever to come out and help And the, the nation are feuding with DX as well at the, mo- as well at the moment. Oh, yeah, yeah. DX as well. Yeah, so DX uh, do a run and DX get a huge pop. Yeah. And compared to the last pay-per-view now, they've basically decided that DX are good guys. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's they've basically just done a complete But again, it doesn't make sense for them to be coming out. They're, they're, they're trying to save somebody. Well, they, it's weird. They, run out, they run out to beat up. They run out to beat up the nation, but like Jim Ross points out specifically, like, I don't think they're here to help Farouk because Farouk just kind of shuffles to the back. Yeah. yeah. And that's it. Like, um, they weren't helping, the, uh, helping Farouk, they just had beef with the nation mm. themselves. So. But The Rock has, has, has suffered like three pile drivers on like, you know, chairs or whatever this whole, whole pay per view. Next night on Raw. 
Nothing wrong with him. Yeah. <laughs> See, they don't even make mention to it. Brilliant. He just comes I'm, out. I might have been right then. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, why do it then? Why do like? What was the point? It's so, no redund- it's so redundant. redundant. Yeah. Um, Cornette once said, Jim Cornette said in an interview a while back about you know using the pile driver. I think it was after CM Punk did the pile driver to Cena on Raw. And oh, it was like, yeah. oh. ban yeah, the pile driver probably should be banned because it's a dangerous move. But if you say it's banned in the storyline. You know, and then once in a while you pull off a pile driver with someone who can actually do a pile driver, mm. maybe like Farouk, then it can be used as a very powerful kind of, oh my god, he's done yeah. a pile driver, and you can write someone off for a long time if it's done right. Rock has received three pile drivers, you know, two of which are on a chair here, and the next night he's fine. They just like, yeah. they actually killed off the pile drivers being They've made scary. It so weak and just another move, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like blood. Yeah, same exactly. thing. If you, do it, if you do it all the time, it, it means absolutely nothing. But anyway, we cut now for our next match. It's mask versus mask, Kane versus Vader. Uh, very little build for this, really, because mm. Kane obviously was embroiled in his feud with the Undertaker. He had killed Vader basically in yeah. the lead up to WrestleMania. He was one of the people who Kane destroyed to kind of go the Undertaker into fighting him. But Jim Ross brings up Kane's attack on Vader in February, saying it was the reason for Vader's absence. Vader actually had to have surgery. But again, it's like, I think they've proved at this point that Vader is not in, already, like, Vader's not on the same level as, as Kane, because Kane's been pushed as a monster. So it's yeah. like a very much a foregone conclusion that Vader's going to be killed Definitely. in this match. Yeah. And it's kind of silly. Mask versus mask. Doesn't Vader to- take his mask off all the time? All the time. His mask, which is quite revealing anyway. You can see like 90% of his yeah. face through that thing. It, I, and it's it like was, skimpy underwear. Pretty much. It's like yeah, skimpy it's underwear a he has on his face. face. It's a jockstrap, basically. They had, men- you know, they had mentioned a lot you know, that Kane was scarred and blah, blah, blah. But they had never at any point at this, uh, up until this point anyway, they had never made a big thing and kind of gone, oh, you know, what if Kane loses his mask? They never even, it was just like an afterthought. Later on, obviously, when they had matches where people were like, I'm going to unmask Kane, they made yeah. a big deal about it. But this time, it was just like, ah, his mask is on the line. No biggie. Yeah, yeah he's just another masked wrestler. It's, it's, it's silly. There was no need for that stipulation, really. Uh, but Jerry, I think, is kind of maybe aware of this. And he says, uh, we're going to get to see Vader's scrambled face. Yeah. He also says... <laughs> you can already see his scrambled face. Use your eyes. He also says that Kane was so ugly, his mother used to have to feed him with a slingshot. Nice. That's a classic Jerry Lawler yeah. right there. Big thing, of course, going into this match is that a few weeks previously on Raw, Paul Bear made the very bold claim that he was, in fact, Kane's father. And they proved it with a DNA test and all yeah. this stuff. So they've kind of, I don't know, it was it was cool, I suppose, and maybe that it kind of gave Paul Bear more of a reason to be aligned with more Kane. More attachment with Kane. More yeah. attachment with him. I, they didn't change their relationship in any way, but I think it was a nice little wrinkle to add to the story. It made, yeah. gave him, of course, we get that incredibly creepy segment which we posted on our Facebook page where <laughs> Jerry Lawler and Paul Bear discuss um, uh, Bear losing his virginity to the Undertaker's mother. Yeah. yeah. And said that while he was doing it, a little red-headed demon child ran in on me. It was the Undertaker. He was only seven years old. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Paul Bear having sex in a mortuary and little child Undertaker running in. Yeah. I'm sorry I've put that image in all of your heads. <laughs> I'm really sorry. Vader and WCW, you and I were watching the new McFoley documentary recently. Oh, Adam, very good documentary. And they really prominently featured Foley's feud with Vader, where Vader you know, at one point ripped off Cactus yeah. Jack's ear. He was such a killer in WCW. Yeah, big time. Like, he destroyed everyone. He was reckless, he was scary, he was stiff. 
But here, it's just Vader. He still looks like Vader. He's just another member of the roster, really, here, isn't he? Yeah. I feel bad for Vader, because Vader was brought in to be, like, in, like, 96, to be, uh, uh, like, you know, the killer again. Like, yeah. The big dog. And he was meant to feud with Shawn Michaels. But straight away, Shawn Michaels, because, you know, he was, you know, with his personal problems at the time. Yeah. He was a, a train wreck to deal with. He was like, I'm not working with him, because he, he's, he's too stiff. They had one match. Vader was meant to win, win the world belt at one point. Wow. But they ended up switching it off with Sid, because Shawn Michaels just flat out refused to work with Vader. What a pity. Uh, which is a shame. So Vader really was just writing out his contract here. Could have been more. Yeah, Kane as well. I think really made Vader obsolete because Vader's meant to be a big monster but Kane is obviously yeah, a, a bigger big monster. monster this is like yeah this is basically sort of Kane saying okay yeah we don't need you anymore Vader I'm here now look yeah. look at our shiny new toy <laughs> yeah. they even have matching colour schemes as well there's a lot of parallels this is very much a Buzz Lightyear Woody Toy Story yeah. uh, <laughs> situation going on here the fans start rallying behind Vader they actually even chant for him so showing yeah. that you know, Vader still has a bit of a connection with the fans as he gets the absolute bejesus knocked out of him yeah. Vader does not get very much off in of this match. No. You're a fan of Vader, aren't you, Billy? There is something. I think it's mainly because uh, I'm a big fan of Mick Foley's, and and he's had loads of. Obviously, he's had this big feud with Mick Foley. So whenever, um, on like the compilation I've got of Mick Foley, there's an amazing um, Vader match that he has. The one that um, they edited out. Oh the, yeah, the, yeah. And then you that's get where Mick Vader Foley's. breaks his nose. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and like, just for how stiff and just you know how hard he hits. I do. I, I've always been a fan of the Bruisers. Yeah, uh, yeah. Sort of my favorite sort of, uh, kind of, of like, wrestler. Yeah, there's not many of those guys anymore. Like, no. definitely. Uh, Vader actually speaking of potatoes, you can tell there's a couple of times where he, some of those shots he has on Kane and Kane, oh, yeah. Kane straight away is just, like grappling and close, going, going to slow down there, buddy. <laughs> like. <laughs> Uh, no stiffo. And then that, we get a moonsault. That good god, he mm-hmm. can fucking moonsault, can't he? That I was not. I, I I nearly gasped. In fact, I might have gasped when I just saw him do a moonsault. I didn't think he could do it. Yeah, absolutely outstanding. So cool. And like yeah. it wasn't like a Terry Funk kind of. Oh god, I'm gonna moonsault. It's no, like this is a proper perfectly. perfect. Yeah. Uh, he misses. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it was cool. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I, was so impressive. So cool to see him do it. Um, he gets. Choke slammed and tombstoned by Kane, which is just amazing to see the strength of Kane. He really yeah, gets yeah. him up because you know when like Kane or Undertaker would choke slam someone like Mark Henry these days, kind of like you one, get like four feet in the air, choke and then push, come down. Like, yeah. but uh, yeah, and he gets he gets Vader up for the tombstone. That's amazing. Like so, Vader unfortunately his attempted retribution fails, and he gets the he doesn't really have much offense in the match. He loses and he gets unmasked. Yeah, this is where it gets good. Paul Bear comes in first of all, puts on. Vader's mask, yeah. which I can only imagine smells like tears and shit. Starts <laughs> doing a little dance. He does a little jig and goes, "It's Paul Bertan." So funny. So because he used to manage Vader, so I suppose yeah. they were kind of yeah. singing up with that. It was really cool. But then, yeah, this carry on from last month with uh, <laughs> with Owen. Vader gets a ringside interview. Vader, you wanted revenge tonight, but it didn't happen. What happened out there? Man, a man usually don't have any excuses. I came here tonight competing. I got my butt whipped. I made the biggest mistake of my life. I trained. Look at me. I'm so big. Maybe it's maybe better times over. I'm nothing but a big piece of shit. Big fat piece of shit. Well, oh. Well, I'll tell you what, I don't condone his 
verbiage or his language, but you gotta get the guy credit. So, uh, there you go. Vader is nothing but a big fat piece of shit. <laughs> Poor Vader. I feel so he's sorry for him. He's got such bad body issues. He's so big. <laughs> I oh. feel so bad for him. He's like a 14-year-old girl. I eat what I'm sad. He's going to go backstage and vomit. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Make vomit. What's so funny about it is that he cuts this promo where he's like, kind of, I'm no good no more, but he cuts it in like, the same kind of tone of voice as he used to do his old kind of, I feel no pain yeah. interviews, but he's like, I'm not very good anymore. <laughs> Poor Vader. So Vader, of course, you know, has his promo where he's like, oh, I'm, I'm crap. I hate this. He says a bad word and Jim Ross is like, oh, we apologize for that, ladies and gentlemen. Next night on Raw, I'm wondering, will Vader join the Nation of Domination? <laughs> We can only hope. We can only hope because it would make just about as much sense as yeah. fucking Owen Hart joining. And hopefully, eventually, we'll get a. Uh, there'll be more white people in the nation of domination. Completely <laughs> demeaning the point. Completely make a renewal. Let's, let's call it like six men instead of you know, because <laughs> that's basically all it is now. Uh, we cut to Michael Cole, a very young Michael Cole, yeah. who's in the ring. Uh, this segment is. Amazing. Amazing, I think, but in a botchamania kind of way as opposed yeah, yeah, to it's, a... Yeah, it's amazing and terrible at the same time in equal measure, I think. This is definitely one of those train wreck segments. Big time. But it's like kind of... Yeah, this is fun. They're in Milwaukee. As I mentioned before, big AWA territory. Yeah. And I don't know why... They've done it before, I think, in St. Louis, where they're kind of like honouring the local kind of legends of the town and it was before the kind of the Hall of Fame that they were doing it in full swing so it was just kind of a nice way to kind of honour them for the local crowd so they bring out uh, Mad Dog Vachon who's the patriarch of the Vachon family that also had uh, Luna yeah. in it yep. and we also have uh, the Crusher coming out as well to be honoured uh, it's kind of a generic honour they got plaques yeah. Yeah, I don't want no real rhyme or reason. It's not Hall of Fame or anything. It's just honouring. Yeah, bring him out to say hello. Uh, Vishan obviously has just recently lost a leg. Yeah, which is kind of, of course, straight away Jerry Lawler is making fun of him, going, "Hey, he can't walk properly." Ha! Yeah. Yeah. I do, he he, uh, he talks a bit like the French Canadian Iron Sheik as well. He yes, it, definitely. Yeah. Mad Dog is absolutely awesome. Yeah, uh, I, I if no one if you haven't seen it, go like look at old Mad Dog promos. He really um, wanted to make a point as well that Luna wasn't his daughter. People say oh, that yeah. all the time. He yeah. re- like he really wanted to make it a point. She I is not my daughter. She is my niece. Setting the record straight. It's yeah. not like he's uh, ashamed of her or anything. It's just I think he's sick of people saying yeah. you know he's her father when he's not. So mm. yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of strange that people just always assume make that. Just because of the assumption. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's kind of strange. But anyway, we get um, also the Crusher coming out straight away. When the Crusher is standing on the ramp and yeah. he's got you know his tan jacket, his nice hair, big sunglasses, a cigar the size of Val Venus's dick, <laughs> <laughs> and he just stands there for a moment, just looking around as everyone is chanting Crusher, and they show all the crush. How cool does he look? Yeah, yeah. I'd love to have him as like a manager. Or something like that. Just you know, I'd have him as like a life trainer, like a personal coach or something. Just you know, giving me advice throughout the day on how to live my life because he looks like a proper success of a human being. He's like a, he's a barrel of a man as well, isn't he? Like yeah, he's the kind of guy yeah. I bet he was like you know he drank ten beers before a match kind of proper thing. Proper old fashioned man kind of thing. I don't yeah, think he's, he's ever been in a man. gym in his life, but I bet he'd like hit a rock with a sledgehammer or something over and over <laughs> yeah. before uh, before a match. So yeah, um, they're brought into the ring to be given these plaques and we thanked for their contribution. And straight away, you know, something is up because Jerry Lawler is like saying things like, we're wasting pay-per-view time for this. People want action, you know, and get the hook, get these men out of here. Um, imagine him doing that in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, Lawler is starts making one-legged jokes. And I used to date a one-legged girl. She was a pushover. <laughs> <laughs> 
this man. <laughs> this is him truly at his worst slash yeah. best here. It's really bad. He comes La- into the ring. Lana comes into the ring to confront these men yeah. who had the audacity of being honoured in their yeah. hometown. <laughs> We're wearing what can only be described as the magic carpet from Aladdin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, good that God. Jacket. It... it- it is. It's the magic it card. <laughs> That's it, mate. It is the magic card. Literally what it is. He's, he's got it and he's put sleeves on it. Um, so, yeah, he just starts doing generic kind of Jerry Lawler jokes on them. And he gets bopped by the crusher. Yeah. Leaves. Comes back again. Then he gets bopped again. Then he leaves. Then he comes back a third time. Takes off his jacket and goes after Maurice Fashan's leg. Yeah. He takes that off. And then he gets bopped again, yeah. this time with the leg by the crusher. Yeah. And as he leaves, the crusher goes... <laughs> the precise moment is 1 hour, 35 minutes, 42 seconds. Another good grunt of the night there. Yeah. And then after that, he turns to the crowd, lifts the, uh, <laughs> lifts the leg in triumph and goes... And he, the camera's right beside him, so you can tell he literally is just going. Bah, 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 bah. <laughs> yeah. And he's taking his shirt off as well. It's this is the first safe. time as well that you see Jr. looking truly disgusted. Yeah, the look on his with, face is like, with "What, are what you doing? Jerry is doing? What the hell are you doing?" I know for a fact because I've seen it in um, in some um, of Cornette's uh, shoot interviews that they did this before, as I said, somewhere else. But the idea of doing it was it was a Jim Ross kind of because he was head of talent. He liked the idea of. Paying a little bit of homage to the local guys, you know, because if, if they knew the crowd would react, so to speak. Yeah. But I think this was their way of kind of doing that and honouring the them, era. but still having, you know... So JR is actually pissed off at the way... So I think JR is pissed because this would strike me it's very much as... a sign of disrespect, isn't it? It's just... Was there some sort of miscommunication? Because, I mean, if Jerry came in and then was like, oh, you guys suck, and they bopped him and then they all posed... That would have been a great feel for the same. Yeah, because it makes them look good. But he comes in three times. That, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what happens directly after this in the Outer so I don't know the context of it, but it's like they're spending an awful lot of time pushing Jerry Lawler as a heel here. They're really trying to make him Lawler, out Lawler, it sounds as if um, Lawler had wrestled a lot of matches in 96 and 95, but at this point, no, he, 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 didn't, he actually wrestled less here than he would have in, say, like 2010. Right. So I think it was just like... If you want to have a guy who's like a villain and in for a segment like this, but you're not going to kill anyone's heat because if someone like Jeff Jarrett came out and got beaten up by these guys, well, he can't be a credible wrestler on TV. Yeah. So I suppose Jerry Lawler is just the kind of stopgap. It doesn't him. matter if Lawler gets beaten up because he's just the commentator. And but what it, ensues is the most mild form of chaos I've ever seen. Yeah, it's just it's you know they can't help it because of these old guys, but it's just the whole thing. This whole it's segment, a train wreck. It's, just, it's mild. It's just really, really yeah. like. But it's a complete. Form. It's a complete train wreck. Everything yeah. goes wrong. They take too long to get to the ring. They do the spots wrong. Goes on for a long time. Yeah. Uh, Bru- Bru- Crusher doesn't even like cut a promo. He just goes. Rah! He's got his cigar in his mouth the entire time. No wonder you can't hear it. But uh, yeah, this is one of these kind of so bad it's good segments though, definitely. It's yeah. worth seeing just to see like how out of hand it got. Yeah. Now we've got our semi-main event. It's Degeneration X taking on the Nation of Domination. Now, we've had a lot of changes. And I mentioned before, DX are basically straight up good guys now. And the last pay-per-view, they were basically being reprehensible heels. They mm. were doing all kinds of evil stuff. On the Raw after Unforgiven, we had the very famous... WCW Invasion yeah. 
Uh, yeah, that's when uh, Triple H and the guys, they all went down to WCW because they were down the road. And they just caused yeah, a stir. Tank. They went down yeah, in the town. They caused a stir and they were like, they found out you know, that they had been papered and no one bought their tickets and they were just chanting DX. So I think from there, it was kind of obvious that they're going to be good guys now. Yeah. And that's the way. I think also because Owen is healed, turning up with the nation, it was a nice way to keep the feuds going with doing a switch. What most people don't know, and I didn't know until I watched the Raw, was that's not the only time they did the WCW invasion skit. There were two more after oh, that. Really? Right. Yeah. The week after they went to the to the arena, the week after that they went to WCW's head offices in Atlanta at the at the Turner Building, and literally the same. It was just they were dressed the same. They came. They went into the lobby, and they're more or less asked to leave. But the way they were playing music, they cut it. It was like they you know destroyed WCW forever. The third week. Now, this is the... Literally, I'm going to go on record here. If I find or see anything more absurd in the Attitude Era than this, please tweet me, because this is literally the craziest thing ever, and no one knows about it. The third week, DX again are doing the WCW Invasion thing, and we, Jim Ross is like, we're going to go and see what they're up to this week. And we're at an airfield, and there's helicopters and jet planes and all this stuff all in the background. And all the DX are all lined up, and Triple H is like walking up and down, kind of going, guys, this is it now, this is the final mission, you know, we've taken it to WCW, it's time to end the fight, if this is a big thing. And uh, Road Dog's like, I'll go do it, sir. And he's like, no, 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 I've got to do this on my own. You know, I've got to go do this. So, guys, pray for me, kind of stuff. Triple H walks <laughs> off into the background, and Jim Ross is like, oh, I wonder what that is. Later on in the night... <laughs> this is fucking obscene. Later on in the night... We cut to stock footage of a guy in a a jet, as in a Top Gun jet, flying through the sky. And it's clearly from like the 80s because it's all like grainy. And they cut to like, you know, you know, like the Top Gun kind of, you know, he's with the joystick and he's got the mask on. And it's just Triple H doing a voiceover going, yeah, I'm Triple H here. I'm in the cockpit. I'm in the cockpit uh, and I'm going to take it to WCW uh, and he just flies off and then it zooms out and you see the worst like Microsoft paint job (laughs) and it says WCW sucks in cloud writing fuck's sake so that happens oh yeah it's like degeneration plane So that's the build going into this match. Obviously, DX have got a lot more fanfare because yeah. unlike the Nation of Domination, they've got access to the Air Force. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just—I know that's a segue, but it's just so absurd. That's I, so bizarre. Yeah. It shows you that like they've really been a little bit revisionist with the Attitude Era because yeah. they didn't always hit the mark. Stuff like that, yeah. They don't put that on the top 100 raw moments. Yeah. How how is Triple H in a fighter jet? If that's a shoot and he's in a fighter jet, how does that? How does that? <laughs> can you imagine like Eric Bischoff? <laughs> In his office, going, they did what? <laughs> it's like, calls any talent meeting. Guys, I uh, just want to let you know that um, Degeneration X hijacked a fighter plane this week and they said that WCW sucks. <laughs> anyway, Na- DX against Nation of Domination. Uh, now that DX are coming out in their all faces and we've got the full big intro with the New Age Outlaws, what did you think this time, Billy? Um, still, still don't like. Oh, them. Fuck come on. Still, still, still. I liked them. I, I liked them more this time round. 
than okay. I did last time. We're getting somewhere. So we're getting somewhere. We can work him but down. I'm still, I'm still not quite there yet. I can see the appeal now. I okay. can see the appeal now. Okay. But it's, I think I'm going to have to see a couple more matches of them um, to fully get there. Okay. Well, I mean, I think it's something I definitely noticed, particularly as well with the offense from like Billy Gunn and Road Dog. That they're much more suited to being faces than heels. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Because they, they want to fire the crowd up and they want to do all their dances and all that stuff. So that's definitely like a plus. Heels can't do that, yeah. They can't they do that. Faces. Um, again, I just got to ask, why did Owen join the nation? Yeah, don't yeah. get it. Don't Absolutely. understand what wasted, he's doing Wasted potential. Uh, Owen comes in at the start of the match. Sorry, I should say it's uh, it's Owen, D'Lo and Mark against... Triple H. It's not Mark, it's Godfather's time. Godfather. It's confusing with the nation. Confusing with them, like. And 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 Triple H H and the Outlaws. Okay. Xbox, I don't think, hadn't even had a match yet since debuting. He's only been doing interference and stuff like that. Yeah, Yeah, that's quite strange. He actually appeared at this pay per view. Yeah, he was in their corner. Oh, right. But it's kind of strange because Xbox was the big steal from WCW the night after WrestleMania 14. Obviously, they were saving him. Yeah. So you find out what happens. Owns gets an own sucks chance straight away, which yeah. makes me believe the crowd don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. Um, we got a lot of back and forth. Billy Gunn is particularly awesome on offense here. Big power moves. Yeah, his hot yeah. tag's all right. Yeah, yeah, I do like him. I mean, I think Own really should be a really vicious heel. If, if he is going to be a heel, he should be a killer. But he's just kind of like... He needs to be a heel for us off. He's not really doing anything villainous at the minute, is he? Can anyone tell me what Nation of Domination's like, goal is? What they want to do? You know, what's their motivation? That's a very good point. Yeah, teams need to have a, a real reason to exist. Say, like, 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 DX, like, obviously, you know, they've got their shit. It's kind of just to the man. It's kind of, that's DX's. But yeah, like, but, like, Nation is, like... Nation don't have anything. Is it, like, just... I mean, yeah, it, they don't have a reason yeah, outside of the rock. It started off as, like, Black Pride kind of thing, I guess, didn't it? Like, to an extent, like, to yeah. A ex- well, they didn't have anything else other than that. Yeah, really, yeah. So, it even was, that's non-existent here. This is literally just a group of guys who happen to like the rock. And that's not enough yeah. excuse to team up. The Rock fan. The Rock and friends. And also, The Rock didn't need the big group anymore. I think we, uh, yeah, at this yeah. stage, we Main can tell Delta, yeah. The Rock doesn't need uh, this kind of padding, so to speak. And it's not as if D'Lo or Mark Henry were getting over with this. Like they're kind of you know secondary players, as it's you can tell. Because really, well, we continually forget who's in the Nation of Domination team every week. So, yeah. <laughs> um, Own Heart again, another pile driver from Own. What's he doing? Why does he keep doing pile drivers? This is pile driver number. He, he, he bloody loves them. Pile driver number four of the pay per view now. I've lost count. Sorry, number five. Number yeah. five. Uh, Dilo Brown hits sky high on the road dog. I love that move. Yeah. Big yeah. pickup power bomb. Uh, Dilo is a real, real good athlete, and you can tell here. Remember last week, uh, the last episode, the, the big ass, uh, the big moon salt. Yeah. D'Lo has really got a lot of like. I know very, I know very little of D'Lo. He never um, really made a big like. But uh, what, what I've seen there. of him so far, he I, I do I do like him. I do like what he does. He's uh, he's one of the best like I think just straight up like uh, like athletes like as an all rounder. He was really really good. Um, we get sharpshooter attempt by Owen, and of course shortly after this we get another nice big moon salt from D'Lo. The crowd is just not into this though. Not at all. No. Maybe they're burnt out after the uh, the big uh, Crusher and Mad Dog spot from yeah. earlier. But uh, it's strange because this is meant to be like their top heel team against their top face team now. 
Yeah, I don't know. It's crowd, crowd yeah. like the crowd it's, like DX, but they don't think they like him wrestling. In fairness, I'll be honest. I think this match went on for far too long, and it slowed down far too much at like several points throughout the match. Mm. I can understand the crowd dull. not being able to have the stamina to you know constantly cheer yeah. and have energy throughout this whole. And match the problem with this match as well is that everyone has to get in and get their because yeah. yeah. there's the own has to go and get his stuff over and Triple H's and the everyone because everyone's everyone just switched recently. Yeah. Everyone has to shine, so it's like taking turns yeah. almost. <laughs> two uh, two hours and ten minutes in, we get one of the most amazing calls from Jim Ross ever. Mark Henry just jerked China off the <laughs> ring apron. <laughs> Um, this is now we're literally getting ridiculous with the pile drivers here yeah spike pile driver to D'Lo on a belt you've already done a pile driver on a thing come on six pile drivers six Jesus Christ again Owen does the pedigree on Triple H everyone else is at ringside caught up Owen finally gets the pin on Triple H after all these months but at this stage it's soured it means nothing Nah. They completely ruined it. The moment that, that Owen finally bet Triple H should have been like a career moment for him. It should have been. It should have been like, you know, this is Owen. He's finally going to become a main event and now he's finally achieved what he set out to do. But it's meaningless. They've, they've ruined yeah. it. They shat all over it. It's it's silly. I, I, I'll say again, though, Owen Hart does a good pedigree. Yeah, he oh, does. Oh, yeah, he does a mean pedigree. You know, yeah, not much, not much to this match. Didn't really deserve to be in that semi-main event spot, but I think you're supposed to noticing that if Undertaker's not wrestling on this pay-per-view, there's a big gaping hole near the top of the card. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, there's no time for our main event. It's Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Dude Love for the World Wrestling Federation Championship with Vince McMahon as the special guest referee. Should I fire Stone Cold Steve Austin? Not yet. The number one contender for the WWF title. I am Dude Love. And over the edge, Vince McMahon might have stacked the cards against Stone Cold Steve Austin by having a little timekeeper. The esteemed Gerald Briscoe. Uh-oh. A bell ringer. Hall of Famer, Pat Patterson. And himself as a special referee. I don't care if he's Stone Cold or who he is, there's no but I really don't give a red sass about all that. It was one individual and only one individual. Me. That person drained the venom from the rattlesnake's poisonous head. Me. I assaulted Stone Cold Steve Austin and got away with it. I thank you very much. Wow. Oh, look out. Since I was assaulted, I want you to do your job and arrest that piece of trash right now. What are you talking about? I'm Vince McMahon. Look at that, Barney bought the company. They just think I talked to boss. Take it down, take it down. The leader of the wrestling world has been cuffed. I apologize to the former WWF champion, now unhandcuffed. 
that, that's not how you get. I ain't gonna accept that. I ain't gonna accept that. Take oh, his ass to jail. I ain't gonna apologize. Play the game. Take his ass to jail. No, 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 what? No, no, no. Let me try it again. I apologize. I accept this apology. He's a good kid. How dare you have me arrested in public like a common criminal and then place conditions upon my release. A condition of apology, which I did not mean. Another condition that should someone volunteer to stand guard while I officiate the match at the pay-per-view this Sunday to ensure that I call the match fair and square. I accept that condition too, because there isn't one WWF superstar on the roster that can intimidate me. Not one. What's he doing, JR? Hey! First of all, we get Pat Patterson uh, getting an introduction from Howard Finkel. I was in stitches laughing. This yeah. whole segment was pure gold. Absolute Amazing. gold. Yeah. Like, they're like talking like, man, we can consider a friend, an ally, a legend. And like they're talking about him being the first intercontinental champion in this tournament in Rio de Janeiro that apparently never happened. It's <laughs> so funny. It's like they know every single thing that will make the, the audience like yeah. go Arr! it's an what? amazing way to get an audience to boo you exactly you oh, yeah, should just cause... do a, a big long grandiose introduction for every person well, yeah, but like, here's the thing Pat Patterson is like more over as a heel than own heart is yeah and, yeah. The, and, and same can say for I mean the nation when they came out no one cared you know, but when the, the Stooges came out, the people were were, were clamoring this for blood. This is what's so backwards about the writing at the time, because, yeah, like you say, Billy, this is a really effective, but a really simple way to get people to hate someone. You know, all you got to do is have someone read out a big list of bullshit about this guy and make the you know make all the crowd cringe. Yeah. It's so easy to make someone mm. hate it, and yet they can't seem to do it without where yeah. it counts with but people like th- There were so many Briscoe signs. That, well, that's so many yeah. Briscoe signs. Briscoe but, brothers. Like, yeah. But no signs for, like, you know... Uh, for uh, new, uh, new Age Art Wars or Triple H. That's, like, well, that just shows you how the McMahon Austin feud. Everyone in that was yeah. like was totally. I mean, here's the thing. I bet if you go and you find a lot of people would have like watched like maybe our age growing up watching the Attitude Era, and then they stop watching around the Invasion kind of time. Yeah. But if you go back and ask them and the, and the people they remember the most, I bet the Stooges, Patterson and Briscoe, are up there probably because yeah. they're so memorable. They're so funny. But and they stuck around for quite a while. As they well, stuck around. They were really good, like henchmen like really good foils for Austin but yeah uh, Briscoe comes out he gets this uh, introduction from Patterson Patterson of course the one uh, one guy out of the three of them who can't speak English properly and he's made the ring announcer which is just a hilarious <laughs> little little bit there mixing up all his plurals uh, Briscoe comes out and pauses to point at the Briscoe Brothers body shock sign which is very funny on the Raws previous to this and this is just 
to show how perfectly they're writing this whole stuff. Uh, they were actually having, during the actual ads, you know, the ad breaks on Raw, they were putting in ads for the Briscoe Brothers Body Shop oh, that were voiced over by Vince McMahon. And oh. Vince McMahon was like kind of the greatest body shop in all the world. Briscoe Brothers. And like, that was a, such a perfect way. Uh, yeah. It works as a heel tactic as well, because straight after Briscoe does that, it cuts to a sign in the crowd that just says, Briscoe Brothers stole my hubcaps. <laughs> So it's working. It's getting him heat as well as advertising yeah. uh, his brother. As nice for building up, like because you know, you know, now the once McMahon comes out, the crowd just explodes yeah. into. And this is cool when you get heels that are actually hated by the crowd because I mean we think this is hilarious, but the crowd at the time were like, "God damn these I guys!" I hate these guys. Yeah, McMahon comes out. I mean, you'll never top McFoley's description of that shirt, you know, which is yeah. he bummed it off an eight-year-old kid. But <laughs> it just it needs amazing. to be it needs to be said for the record. Vince McMahon is wearing the most ludicrous referee shirt ever. Yeah. Absolutely obscene. It's spray painted on like it's... <laughs> uh, McMahon trips on the rope as he's getting into the ring, but he's like, God damn, you know. That's also perfect about his character. He could do something like that. He could trip over the, the rope and like it would work. Yeah. You yeah. know, that was... He's just a big angry he, man. he can make anything, like anything that botches or happens that can go wrong with McMahon, he can turn it into a reason for him to get angrier and be even more of a heel. Yeah, not many people can do that. It's it's funny, and of course, except when he uh, bashes his knee on the way into the ring and then has to sit down for the rest <laughs> of the segment. Yeah. <laughs> um, dude, love comes out now, and boy, god, dude is like such like a corporate sellout here. He's got a blazer, he's got teeth in, <laughs> yeah, and he's got his hair in a nice ponytail. They were doing this whole thing before, and the dude was actually having like an identity crisis. He was, he would refer to himself as Mick Foley and Cactus Jack all in the same promo. But he came out like a couple of weeks before, and he's like, "I know who I am now. Like I'm a speaker of, of two languages. You know, I'm a I'm a I'm a university degree holder." He's like proper like corporate sellout. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. Um, what's cool though is that even though dude looks very goofy, Jim Ross puts him over very strong straight away. He says, "This is the building." where mankind defeated The Undertaker. Like, you know, which is, like, cool to know that even though dude is very, very goofy, he's still, like, he's a, a serious killer. contender, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and he's not just, like, a, 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 a scrub or whatever. He can, you know, get the job done, he which could is be a cool. Threat, yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, it's good to know that, you know, Foley is considered uh, to, to be a badass. Patterson then grabs the microphone and says, I'm not going to introduce this guy because I'm not going to introduce a bum. So Austin walks out to no intro, which is just, again, yeah. hilarious. And then all of a sudden we get The Undertaker coming out. Yeah, big pop for The big Undertaker. Pop. Big pop. I love The Undertaker. Um, kind of maybe a little attempt here to distance himself from the Kane storyline to maybe build Kane up a little bit because yeah. he had beaten Kane twice in a row. He's saying he's out here to make sure that Vince McMahon doesn't, you know, uh, screw over Steve Austin. So that was cool that, you know, yeah. Austin had someone, you know, watching his back, so to speak. But I think he, they were making out that he wasn't doing it for Austin. He was doing it because he hates McMahon. Because he hates yeah. McMahon. Which is cool. Uh, straight away, bell rings. Austin gives McMahon the fingers. <laughs> <laughs> Which is sets the uh, tone. Good start. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 quite funny. Um, we get really screwy officiating from McMahon like straight away. Despite Undertaker, he's doing the fast counts and you know breaking up anytime Austin goes yeah. into the corner and all that. Um, did anyone here pick up on the Vince's gay chant? Yeah, and again, yeah. this comes back to the whole part of the Attitude Era that, you know, you don't really remember too well, and the fans being a little bit... Kind of, you know, it's so childish, Vince is gay, chanting that over and over again. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I, I suppose, because we've mentioned a lot of times, we're not, like, being, like, you know, political correctness, you know, you can't say this kind of stuff. It's just, it's so jarring, I suppose, yeah, as compared to is. the product yeah. now. Vince is gay, like, that's just, you know, it's it's weird, and... 
they try and cover it up and Jim Ross is like oh I think they're saying Vince is dead yeah. So, you know, if you shouldn't just mention it at all. Cause... But I guess, on the one hand, obviously this isn't what the crowd is thinking, but on the one hand, if there's one thing that's going to piss off a character like Vince McMahon, it's someone accusing him of being gay. So juvenile, though. Yeah. Yeah. That's, the, that's really the DX kind of influence there, isn't it? True, yeah. You know, now the DX are faces, people are like, yeah. oh, this is cool to do this kind of stuff. Uh, dude is real vicious in this match, despite yeah. appearances. He's like biting Austin yeah. uh, you know doing all this like real like rough kind of stuff and Vince never like admonishes dude of for course, any yeah. of this uh, breaking stuff it's it, just really brilliant we have an amazing moment where uh, some of dude love's teeth come out and uh, <laughs> Stone Cold just stamps on him Smashes just, him just leaves dude love for a second and just stamps on his teeth just to do you know real stick it to him and obviously you know me as the man I am there's a, a lot of McFoley grunting in this match yeah. McFoley is, is, is a grunter yeah. you know he's great He's 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 Um we get the hangman spot from Foley, which love I love the way they yeah. still keep doing it even after he lost his ear. But um I love it. I, I think it's so amazing that little spot. But he's thrown to the ropes and Austin comes over and he puts him in the claw straight away. Yeah. And the claw which is called the love handle here. Which is kind of funny. But yeah, it's it's cool that like I think they're they're using the fact that dude looks so ridiculous to put over that he's unpredictable even, yeah, I suppose. Anything could happen. Which is yeah, he can, he, he can do anything at any given time. Um dude goes straight away to the Spanish announce table and starts throwing stuff around and we get the first of many Pat Patterson moments where he's like, Ladies and gentlemen, this match is a no disqualifications match. Um, yeah, and he always says it like, I want to remind you as if yeah, you know, they had already said always it. like that. Yeah, <laughs> batting the stipulations. Jim Ross is incensed at this. Yeah. It's like this match is now a you know like a, a false can anywhere match. Says who? Says who <laughs> It's uh, it's brilliant, like it's like it's a perfect like some of its parts, everyone is doing It's the perfect storm this match is, yeah. It's not just Austin. You know, that's yeah. that's what I mean. If Austin was in, on top form, the yeah. Stooges, McMahon, Dude Love. Everyone is working together to push out this amazing sort of match. And then I mean, at the end of the day, the person who obviously benefited from all this was Austin. But I think it's nice because never like the previous pay per views, Austin had so much stuff working against yeah. him. Yeah. But now he's finally got like kind of everyone is like working. It's the first time where everything's sort of gone right, sort of backstage and everything, you know. We get perfect. We get such a cool brawl at ringside. I mean, I usually yeah. don't like ringside brawls because it's just kind of an excuse to kill time. But Austin and Dude are vicious. These oh, guys are perfect at brawling, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, it's absolutely. because they're both not afraid to knock the shit out of each other. De- no, that's true. Because, I mean, you guys always go, oh, you know, this dude, he's, he's a hell of a brawler. That usually just means he can't do suplexes. Yeah. <laughs> there is actually a skill involved with doing effective, believable brawling. And like, you can see where Foley gets clotheslined over the near the timekeeper's table. He just flips straight back onto the concrete and the crowd yeah. erupts. It's a sick, sick bump. Those are the kind of bumps that Foley took, and I suppose looking back, it probably he probably regrets taking them. Yeah, landing on the back so of his ma- head. There's so many drops onto concrete from both the, of them. The, the sunset flip off the car. Yeah, that yeah, is unbelievable. It looks so sore. I suppose that we get to see that is why the cars are here. I suppose. Yes, yeah, they still to, to get to do it. I kind of feel at this point, though, that Taker's a little bit of a third wheel. Because if he was going to do something, he would have done it by now. He should have stepped in earlier. Yeah. He should have either stepped in earlier or saved his appearance to coming in right at the end. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. Because he's like, just kind of standing there with his hands yeah. in his hips getting came, out of the way. If he just came in, you know, right before that's Nick a very Man good was point. about to do something. Make it look like Austin's about to get screwed and then suddenly Taker comes to the rescue. Yeah. Because you know, but whilst... Um, the Undertaker is there. McMahon's not going to do anything. It's true. It makes you because you can see how scared he is. Yeah, you know Austin. You know win, it's, he's, you yeah. know it's going to deter or anything like that. Definitely. Um, Austin gets busted open after that sunset flip on the on the concrete, and he gets backdropped right on the concrete. I mean, this pay per view is just like it's it's. 
Hard hitting. Hard hitting. But Stiff. I think I know. I I prefer these these spots are better than just the pile driver spots. I mean, yeah. you know, it's like if you're if you're like in the na- the nation guys, you're not thinking kind of hey, so they've already done five pile drivers earlier on the night. Maybe we shouldn't do the sixth one. You know, <laughs> so this one at least the the it's variety. Spots are it's simple variety. Yeah. variety. That's all it is. Exactly. Dude goes for the big elbow drop on the concrete and misses. Man, oh, that's that is. Rough. He's, he's, of course, do love his filthy now because he's taking all these bumps on the concrete. Yeah. He's covered in crap. Uh, we're going to the closing moments of the match now, and there's chair involved yeah. because it's the no DQ match. Yeah, now. Stone Cold gets so excited he hits himself in the face. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, that's been on Batchamania. Austin Yates picks yeah. the chairs because it's boink. It shows you how tight those ropes are, I suppose, yeah, yeah. maybe. Um, Austin, yeah, after he bops himself, he kills a dude with a chair, but Vince will not count. And I just love that Vince mm. is just like, nope, not going to do it. Then dude gets the chair, and good God, Vince McMahon takes another one of these hellacious chair shots. What a big shot to the head. Good God. Unprotected, right yeah. in the... Right such, in the de- such dedication yeah. to mm. what he's trying to like, do at the moment. Off to Vince. Uh, Mike Chioda runs in, Austin stuns, Vi- Austin, sorry, stuns uh, dude, goes for the pin, one, two, and Patterson... <laughs> Stops Mike Yoda making the three count. They're not even like trying anymore to make it out yeah. like they're being fair. They're just cheating. And what do we get? We get Patterson gets choke slammed through the table by Undertaker. Something I never you, thought I'd see. <laughs> that's how you break an announcer table, by the way. Oh, that good. He, yeah. Perfect table crash. And he does an encore then because Briscoe tries to interfere and uh, double whammy. Double yeah. whammy. Giving the crowd exactly what they want to see as well, really. You know, it's perfect. It's exactly. spot on. Everyone gets that's what he should, There shouldn't have been Undertaker the whole thing, uh, the whole match. Undertaker should have come out to do that. Yeah, yeah that's true. Leave. He should have come out to do that stuff. That's, that's true. That's possibly the only flaw of this match. I'd say is that I never even considered that until you pointed out really dude gets stunned again and then Austin picks up Vince's hand and with one of my favourite moments ever in the Attitude Era he just counts Vince's hand three times because in the promo before the match McMahon makes a big deal of like it will be with my hand that we end this match and you know it ties together exactly so brilliant I can't gush over this match enough it ends with an Austin Taker stare down this is my favourite Austin match ever, definitely. The yeah, beforehand and Unforgiven, that was a great match, but you could always tell they were holding back a little bit. Way this, to do more. this was the the match. This yeah. was the 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 no no. Uh, they didn't hold anything back here. And not only was it a great match, like in the ring and everything as well, but it was also the perfect story of like literally all of the decks were stacked against Austin. It, exactly. looked, it looked like it was impossible. There was no way he can win this match, and yet they still find a way around it, and he does it. And the fans get how exactly much more? What they want. And how much more satisfying is him to see overcome the odds that way, as opposed to say Cena, who overcomes the odds, but people get you know it's just he gets beaten up lots and then he wins. Yeah, that's not overcoming Th- the odds. This that's is overcoming shit. the odds because it's like Austin like was you know. He outsmarted Vince basically yeah. and yeah just uh, absolutely brilliant absolutely adored this match I think it's my favourite match we've re- you know we've went through on this podcast so far I think it's I, mine I agree as well, as well actually, I yeah. think it's one of mine yeah uh, and on that note I suppose it's time to you know just wrap up about our final thoughts I'm going to ask each of you guys who you thought was your MVP and also your match of the night uh, Adam MVP, I'm going to go with the same choices as last week, actually. I'm going to say McMahon again, just because, you know, not only is he also, you know, not only is he coming up with the creative ideas of making these genius moves and involving certain things that no one would have thought of before, but now he's actually getting more involved 
as an on-screen character as well. And, and he's really found what that character is as well. Exactly, yeah. Now he's really hit his stride as Mr. McMahon. He knows exactly what he is. And this is the real beginning of like, him as a villain, like mm. properly becoming who he would eventually become later on. Yeah. Cool. Match of the night then. Now, I was going to say Austin versus Dude Love because it is an incredible match, but I've already seen this match a few times before now and I knew how great it was going to be. I didn't expect the handicap tag match to be so amazing. That came out High and Tide versus yeah, Tack and that Dash. took me completely by surprise, and so that's definitely a match of the night. Oh, yeah, because yeah, it was such an yeah, incredible out of yeah. surprise. Yeah, that's true. Billy, MVP and match of the night. MVP, I think for me this is Vince McMahon, like Adam. Um, everything uh, that he did. Like on this night, he's definitely the glue Amazing. that holds all this stuff together. Yeah, I think. totally. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I feel weird not picking a wrestler for my MVP, but you know, McMahon is he didn't really the centerpiece. Of he's this. not a wrestler, but good lord, he took enough bumps, didn't he? Yeah, <laughs> no, no, everything about McMahon. Um, yeah. this week, amazing. Uh, he did, he did an amazing job. Match of the night. Um, see, for me, it's kind of a draw um, between uh, between Stone Cold Nude Love and um, the. Uh, uh, Kai and Tai and Bradshaw uh, and Takamichi Noka match. Mm. Uh, it's kind of a draw, but I think best match overall, I- I'm going to have to say uh, Stone Cold and Dude Love. Cool. I think best match of the night. Yeah, well, I definitely would say that was my match of the night as well because it's just, it's whole, it, it, it says a lot for a match when you, I've seen it maybe 10 times, but when I watched it in the context of the pay per view with the build up video and all that mm. and all the stuff beforehand, and I had watched the Raws previous to this. It just got me in the mood and it blew me away once again. That's always a sign of a good match that you can watch and still get those goosebumps and react to the near fall. So that's, I mean, I don't, I don't think this match will be will be topped for a long time on this uh, on this podcast. Um, MVP, I suppose I'm going to say Dude Love because Dude was uh, he's always kind of the black sheep of the yeah. uh, Foley uh, clan, so to speak. But he really pulled out all the stops here, and you know Foley was hurting at this point in time. You know he wa- he was taking those. You know, nineteen ninety two cactus jack bumps here on the on the concrete, mm. and his yeah. body wasn't really letting him do it, but he did it anyway because he knew what was needed to make this match different from the Unforgiven match. Yeah. So the final thoughts of the pay per view, guys. I personally, I think this is one of the better pay per views of the Attitude Era. I think it's marred by some of the weird kind of obviously the pile driver stuff and all that, but I think overall because the crowd are actually into it this time. Yeah. We get a much more enjoyable pay-per-view than we've we've seen. It's the best pay-per-view we've reviewed so far. That's not saying much. That's not saying much. I mean, I would say it's better than a WrestleMania. I wouldn't go as far as to say like it was one of the better uh, pay-per-views of the Attitude Era because don't get me wrong, there's this is definitely the best one we've done so far, and there is some real amazing stuff in this. But it is still flawed in places, I think. Oh, it's definitely. Still got the crappy Double J stuff going on. They've screwed up Owen Hart. We have Sable and Mark Mirror. There's still a lot of shit here. It's just that the, the, what is right here and what is good about it it's done is so much better than it has been in the past that that really outshines. Yeah, I think I think so. I mean, I, I think overall this is one of those ones that it's a pay-per-view that most people probably haven't seen full, but I would definitely... There's only one pay-per-view so far which I would say go out of your way to actually try and watch this. Mm. I would definitely say give Over the Edge 1998 a watch because it's good. Yeah. Um, so there we go. That is it for uh, for these guys. Our next episode, ladies and gentlemen, is going to be King of the Ring 1998. Ooh. And we all know what happens in yep. that pay-per-view. Yep, we do. That's right. Al Snow taking on too much <laughs> in a handicap match where Al Snow's got a contract under the line. So oh, yeah. About a Hell in a Cell uh, later on in the night. I, I'm mankind and I'm in a rage. I want The Undertaker. I want him in a cage with, okay, a, with done, a roof on top. You've done that joke two episodes in a row now, Kevin. You've got to stop this. Sorry. 
So, okay, well, that's it for... <laughs> I'll probably cut that bit out because it didn't make any sense. <laughs> I'm mankind and I'm in a rel. I want you to take care of the <laughs> I'm Randy Orton and I'm in a rainbow. <laughs> I want Seamus in the elimination chamber. <laughs> Good God. Uh, so I want to thank everyone for listening. You can subscribe on iTunes, search Attitude Era Podcast. But it'd be very helpful to us. The best way you can help is leave a review or a rating on iTunes. Help that algorithm. Help us move up in the rankings so more people can see us. We've had some lovely reviews already. So we have. Uh, so thank you, everyone, who's left us one of these glowing yeah, reviews. Had a lot we of appreciate it so much. And speaking of Twitter, you can follow us at AE Podcast. And that's where we'll do most of our talking, uploading, and sharing our thoughts. We live tweet raw now and then as well. So give us a follow. Let us know your thoughts in the episodes. And you can check us out on Facebook as well at facebook.com forward slash AE Podcast. Thanks so much, everyone. We'll see you. Goodbye. And we'll catch you at King of the Ring 1998.